Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working. Not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of It's a Customer's World. Today, I'm excited to have with me a returning guest and my British friend, Simon Miles. Simon is the Vice President of Global Omnichannel Commercial Strategy at the Coca-Cola Company. Now, in full disclosure, I've been working with Simon since, I believe, October of last year, exploring how Coca-Cola can better understand and leverage this rapidly evolving space of retail media networks through a global lens. In those early conversations, the idea emerged of getting deeper insights on how the space is evolving from other industry experts. And that led to the collaboration with the University of Arkansas's Walton College of Business and their efforts to better understand how the industry sees the promise of these retail networks, the reality of where we are today, and what is needed in the future. Their findings were recently published in a white paper you can find in a link in the show notes. Today, we'll hear Simon's take on this journey and how some of the insights from the white paper apply to his work at Coca-Cola. Hey, Simon, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy, it's great to be here again. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, well, today's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a long journey to get to this point, but I'm excited. What I'd like to do is start with you introducing yourself and sharing a bit about your career journey that's led to this role you're in today and a bit about what your role entails. Yeah, thanks. So, um, so as you said in the, in the setup, you know, I lead our uh, omnichannel customer work at Coca-Cola, um, but it has been quite a long and circuitous route uh, to get there. When I look at my, my career path, it's probably not one that you would write down um, at the start of your career, but it's been a fantastic journey. Um, and I think some of the things that, that enable me to, to do the job I've got now, you know, that, um, I've been with the Coca-Cola system 16 years. Um, I've done a number of different roles through that time, um, including things like shopper marketing, which I think really taught me around, you know, customer journey planning and those kind of things, which I still use today, a lot of the thinking behind that. Um, I spent time in the customer management team here in the UK on customers like Sainsbury's and Waitrose and others. Um, and I think part of that helped me to understand, you know, collaboration, customer leadership, that kind of area. Um, and certainly then when I moved into more digital roles, which I've, I've held for on and off for the last 10 years or so. Uh, it's given me a lot deeper understanding of, you know, how you execute in the modern world, the pace of change, keeping up with that, and how, again, you collaborate with customers like Walmart International, for example, which I was on our Walmart International team for a number of years. So lots of different kind of experiences and roles, but all of them, I think, are contributing and, and helping me do the role I have today. Well, clearly there's some themes in that that seems to be relevant to what you're doing today, like how do you get collaboration? Um, clearly the shopper marketing world is is changing, but has so many good principled tenets 
that you learn through experience that seems to be really relevant to today's world. Um, you're in an interesting role as you see the commercial space uh, between brands and retailers from a global perspective. And let's talk about that for a second. It's what surprised you most when looking across nine different operating units you engage with? Yeah, I, I mean, I think actually the biggest surprise probably was the similarities. It was how similar the discussions were, you know, when, whether you're talking to, you know, a team in India, whether it's in Latin America, whether it's in North America or Europe. Um, actually, the fundamental challenges we're, we're trying to solve are, are the same, you know, and, and we, we, had a, we had a call um, not that long ago, actually, where we were talking a lot about um, some of the work that's going on in North America, which is fantastic. And my colleague from the India team said, hey, I thought you were talking about India. So it, you know, it just shows you how common sort of some of the stuff is. And I, I think, um, you know, it's it's just a case of us trying to work together to, to be more consistent, I think, around what our approach is, um, because I definitely think it's going to help everybody. So so I think that was the key thing, was actually not so much about differences, but about similarities that people are facing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think from a North America chair, we often look at Asia as being so much more advanced in some of these technologies. and. And I think what you find is, yes, in some ways in terms of tactics and execution, but, you know, the organizational impact, the, you know, how you collaborate, what does it look like in terms of workflows and such uh, yeah. seem to be more similar than we probably imagine. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think, um, you know, it's easy, I think, to, to sort of look over the garden fence at what everybody else is doing and assume it's better or more advanced or whatever. And, and the reality is there's pockets of great work everywhere and there's pockets of areas that are underdeveloped everywhere uh, and so you know that's why i think the whole collaboration thing is so important because only by doing that can we all kind of learn together um and and so you know we're certainly taking that and i think that's not just internally where there are still you know to a degree even though we're pretty networked as a as a global organization we've still got you know silos that are working that don't necessarily connect communicate as well as they could in other areas and uh, you know from from what i'm understanding i think the same is true also within within retail organizations where you have that sort of silos that are still a challenge uh, even in today's kind of pretty interconnected world well, that certainly was my experience at, at Walmart and Asda is that, uh, you know, these are big organizations flying at the speed of light and yeah. being able to stay connected through communication and uh, leveraging technology to do that and workflows. It's a constant challenge uh, for retail and CPG and probably something um, is underestimated in terms mm -hmm. of trying to drive change when you're in such a rapidly changing space. Um, yeah. Speaking of that a bit, you know, as you as you look at the world of CPG beyond Coke, uh, and reaching shoppers via omni-channel, what, what do you see are the big opportunities and challenges mm -hmm. for some of the bigger brands, maybe international brands like Coke? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think we've touched on a couple of them. I, I definitely think that whole kind of silos <clears throat> silos within your organization is a big challenge. So. You know how you think about the, the amending your processes and updating your processes, the way you work together and more collaboratively with your customers, keeping the sort of consumer in mind, is definitely, I think, one of the big challenges. As is the speed of change that, that you sort of referenced there. I mean, this thing is moving fast, right? I mean, we've been looking at it for you know a couple of years or so, and and wow, it's amazing how many more organisations are 
you know, revolutionizing the way they do business and, and building out capabilities. And so keeping on top of that, I think, is, is a massive um, challenge. And therefore, you know, I think the opportunity goes with that is around upskilling. There's a huge, in my view, there's a huge sort of educational piece to this, which is, um, you know, I sort of think of it in, in almost sort of three levels, really. One is, how do you make sure that your senior leadership are really on top of it, understand what, it, what the implications might be? And then what, what about the people who are hands-on doing this work, you know, working in the digital space and, and others with customers? And then, you know, what about everybody else in the organization where it'll have an impact no matter what part of the organization you're sitting in. And so it's important to bring them on the journey with us. Um, and so I think, you know, those definitely are two of them. But the other one I'll throw in the mix, I think, is about data and mm -hmm. sort of making data count, if you like, um, because I think we've all got lots of data, but it's not necessarily connected. It's not necessarily always transparent to the pieces of the business you need it to be. And, and again, that's even more complex than when you start to think about you know, the customer data that the retailers have and the, the consumer data that perhaps some of the brands have. And so that ability, the opportunity to collaborate, I think, around data in particular is a really big one. So I think those three are probably the biggest areas that I see right now. But there's, you know, huge opportunities, I think, around education and collaboration that should really get us where we need to get to around it. Well, speaking of education, you were instrumental in initiating the guidance uh, and guidance to the University of Arkansas's uh, Walton College of Business research work mm. into retail media networks and the recently published white paper. Uh, what were you hoping to accomplish by being involved in this effort? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic project to be, uh, to be part of. I think, I think, you know, very simply, it was about a better understanding of this space um, because the, the reality is there's lots of literature, there's lots of articles written, lots of content that you can go and find. But really what we were looking for, I think, was a balanced academic approach. And so that was something we thought was different and, and that would really kind of cut through some of the noise in this space. Um, and of course, you know, the University of Arkansas that we, you know, that we've been working with, they've got a proven history here, you know, working with suppliers, retailers, you know, they facilitated stuff, I think, um, if I'm not uh, mistaken, a few years back on RFID, which was a really big sort of breakthrough in that sort of supply chain space. And so they've got a lot of competency, a lot of focus around this kind of whole space of retailers and how they connect them to the supplier community. So they seem to us to be an ideal partner to kind of really get that understanding of let's talk to a whole range of people, you know, who are experts, a more senior audience perhaps, and get a balanced view. Um, so it was really a piece that was just going to fuel our understanding in the space and, and help us understand what do we need to do then to make this right and get this right? Well, I couldn't agree with you more on the literature. I mean, many of the pieces I read really do a great job of articulating the promise of what could be done and mm -hmm. um, a, a nature of, of a world that is more relevant consumer experiences and so on and so forth. But what uh, probably gets underestimated or underreported, underwritten about is a candid look at the difficulty, the dive that's in front yeah. of organizations with so much change. You've read the white paper. What are your initial reactions to the findings? Yeah, it was a, it was a good read, actually. Um, I mean, it was super useful to, to sort of get that collective thoughts, if you like, of senior execs from across uh, CPG and retail together. Um, and I think there were, a, there were a couple of things, really. I mean, I, I think what came through quite strongly was this notion of this pretty wide sort of cross-industry support about the promise of what a retail media network could be. Um, you know, things like, you know, the use of first-party data, closed-room reporting, that, you know, if handled right, 
can deliver a fantastic shopping experience for consumers. And of course, in the end, they're the bosses that we're all working for. Um, and so that came through, I think, quite strongly. But of course, you know, what also struck me was the, the, the piece that was the section really looked at about what the reality is like. And the reality is pretty messy right now. Um, you know, we're in the middle of this kind of innovation towards the promise, but there's there's so many challenges that, you know, some of them we talked about already around, you know, upskilling, uh, how do you build more efficient ways of working, that sort of organisational silo piece, and then the measurement capabilities, you know, are, are not quite there yet, or, or they're at least very different in terms of some organisations are pretty good in that space and pretty strong, uh, some are not so much, and it's a development area, some of them are, you know, willingly sharing, others are not, so... There was lots to go after in that space. Um, but I thought what was great about the paper was uh, that having kind of laid that picture out of promise and reality, it was then, okay, well, what's the journey look like then? How do you, how do you, how do you get through this to bring the promise to life? And it was talking about you know, collaboration. It was talking about transparency and consistency across the industry, um, particularly around sort of even simple things like definitions or standards. Um, that was kind of, for me, some of the standout things when I first kind of started to look through it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. What The thing that struck me from the white paper is just how many retail media networks are being launched. Uh, I read somewhere 600 uh, mm. are now already in play. And the um, unintended consequence of that is if you are a, a brand owner, CPG marketer, uh, mm. And trying to to harmonize all of those opportunities, and where it's a completely different way of working, uh, and different metrics to get used to and understand, uh, it's not an, an easy space. So I think perhaps putting my older re retail hat on, uh, you kind of see your you as a retailer in in the market uh, in the CPG, but sometimes don't understand the complexity that uh, these bring. That still needs to be worked through, and and will get worked through. But it's uh, it's not an easy process to 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 sort all that out from a technology perspective, dashboards, being able to see where's my investment working, where can it be improved. Those are uh, those are levels of complexity that have just been exponentially amplified in this space. Uh, what do you think is needed for? stakeholders um and, and not just you know cpg but but we look at the consumer you look at the retailer you look at the cpg what are some mm -hmm. of the things you think are really needed for stakeholders to realize that promise of more relevant consumer experience and value creation for the consumer yeah i mean I, i've been thinking sort of long and hard really since since the the white paper got published uh, about you know what 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 it is we really need to do because um, one of the key things I think is that no one company's got the solution to this. That that came through kind of loud and clear. And I think what you were just saying is is right. Um, you know, there's a lot of complexity here. But I think, and I've started to form a little model in my mind, which is um, seven C's, right? Not not the water thing, but seven <laughs> things that start with letter C. So you know, the first one being consumer focus. I think that's you know we've all got to remember actually the point of this whole. Um, area of development is about how do we give people an improved customer experience or consumer experience um, and so you know whatever we do has to make it better I think for the end users in, uh, at the end of the day otherwise it, it kind of everything fails but I think you know the second C would be collaboration and we talked a little bit about this but I think it really is an opportunity to 
give a new partnership model almost for growth, which is how do we work together to solve some of these issues, even across, you know, non-competing CPGs and, and retailers or just, you know, from an individual CPG with, with, with retailers as well. But there's a massive opportunity here to collaborate together to define how does this work properly? How best do we solve it? Um, and I think, you know, some of the areas that would, we would be looking to solve, clarity is one, and I think that's about data and, you know, platform-specific data, closed-loop reporting. How do we get to a world in which that's the way in which we operate so that it's fact-based? You know, we're kind of one version of the truth. Everybody's trying to, you know, solve the same issues. Um, and so I think that's really key to get after. Um, I also think the capability point is really important here. So upskilling, as I was saying earlier, you know, senior audiences, people who are sort of practitioners on the ground, as well as, um, you know, the kind of general um, folk who are working across the, uh, our collective businesses. Um, but, you know, ultimately we're in this to make business, right? And so having a commercial mindset, looking for commercial outcomes, I think is really going to be key. And I think that's where the data will help us, I think, to fill in some of the gaps that exist today around what is the ROI you're really looking for? You know, is that really clear? Um, you know, because this is broader than just, you know, old fashioned shopper marketing metrics that you and I, Andy, might have been, mm. you know, familiar with in the old days. Um, you know, that, re that retains some um, relevance, but it's also now, you know, if it's brand objectives and, and ROAS and that kind of stuff, how do you meld this together to get the right um, set of metrics around and be, a be able to use those to target properly you know, the right solutions for our consumers? Um, and then I think the final two, you know, one is consistency. So how do we get this more consistent? Because a lot of these networks, not, not equal um, by any means. As you say, there's like 600 of these things. So how do you make choices as a brand in terms of where your investment needs to go? And how do we help an industry kind of grow together so that we get more consistency of, um, of metrics and, and, and what works and what gets offered? Um, and then the final thing I think is about conducting trials. Um, because I think there's it's still early days that's that was one of the things that came through from the white paper was this is still very early it's a bit wild west you know we don't really know all the answers so i think it's wise to to go into it with a mindset of saying i'm going to conduct some trials and some partnerships and some experiments here to learn as we go and iterate from there rather than assume we can kind of all crack it in one go so a lot to remember there but you know that's kind of i think some of the things that that really is, is the things we would focus on in terms of uh, being able to fulfill that promise mm, that's excellent i love your framing of that um and i'm hearing some of that those themes come through in other uh speakers and folks that talk about this space um, love listening to the cpg guys cover retail media networks they do a great job of bringing in guests and uh, kantar uh, insight work uh, that uh, has a podcast. I, I just listened to SVP of Kroger, uh, mm. K KPM, um, their uh, lead for this space. And, and she was calling out the the opportunity for consistency in language and uh, consistency in metrics uh, as mm. a way for an unlock to get more efficient growth. So it's not just, I think, the CPG community that sees that mm. where one retailer will have a different uh, way of thinking about ROAS as a metric versus others. And then you're trying to harmonize those metrics across that portfolio. It's quite difficult. 
and it slows growth. It's, it actually slows things down when you don't have a common language. And and mm -hmm. I, I think it's, you know, to be honest, I do think, you know, retailers, some that are more mature in this space see it. Uh, clearly, uh, from my experience in the UK uh, at Asda and working with mm -hmm. the folks at Sainsbury's and Tesco, um, the other thing I think that they do a good job of, and they're probably about four or five years uh, in front of, of where some of the other markets are because of um, such a high penetration in e-commerce and they've been working in this space a bit longer. Um, mm. they, they have developed a pretty strong uh, mentality that they, the client, there's a client here that is the supplier and, and we have to really listen to how do we sort through their complex worlds. And often, um, you know, that's a hard mind shift for some retails to to yeah. take that position because it's always been in the buyer mode. But these operations typically sit outside of merchandising, and it's a different type of whole ecosystem and and culture. So uh, I, I feel like from what I've read in the white paper and my own uh, conversations and having the ear to the ground to the industry, we're starting to see some really common themes that um, have an opportunity to be addressed at an industry level, which I hope uh, starts to, to emerge. Um, what, um, what, what are some of the specific actions that you'll be taking on encouraging Coke uh, to look at as a result of the white paper? Yeah, I think um, I agree with what you were just talking about there in terms of how we need to collaborate with retailers, because I think it's, it's, um, it's part of a broader development area, actually, I think, around this whole kind of as, as ecosystems build, the old notion of having, you know, an account man go in from a, a supplier and negotiate everything with a with a buyer is, is kind of dead, really. I think, you know, that's not the way to do it. I think it has to be much broader than that, much more cross-functional, um, particularly in this area we're talking about. So, so certainly, I think, you know, a couple of things we'll be taking from the white paper specifically on that is, you know, how do we use this to further our collaboration efforts with retailers um, who want to collaborate in that way um, and also accelerate our internal kind of cross-functional collaboration so that we're better prepared. We walk in with you know, a more joined up approach in terms of not just our marketing programs, uh, uh, you know, what our account teams are trying to agree as well and sort of join those things up much better. So definitely that whole kind of collaboration piece, both internally and externally is a conversation you know i've been having for for a little while because of the broader piece but specifically this will accelerate that um i think another one is definitely increasing the education and upskilling piece in this space to make sure that we're sort of maximizing value ensuring we've got the right sort of strategic approach here to reach our objectives because i think done properly what excites me the most is this can be a real accelerator on the velocity of of growth mm -hmm. And, and boy, do we all need that right now, right? In an inflationary environment with lots of uncertainty, you know, I think we have the ability to be really smart and joined up and accelerate, you know, the growth for, for us and our retailer partners as well. Um, and then I think, you know, finally, the other area that I'll focus heavily on, I think, is the sort of test and learn process that we have. Uh, make sure that we're sharing, we're building on best practices globally. Um, and I was saying it earlier, you know, that whole surprise almost of how similar everything is no matter where you are just reinforce the need for us to to have a much more joined up approach and say well let's learn this once and share it across the globe because everybody's going to benefit from this and we accelerate the learning and we build the skills and the knowledge levels for everyone much more quickly by doing it that way wow i love that i love the approach 
You know, one of the things we don't talk about much in uh, retail media networks and technology and such uh, is an area that uh, is really important to drive change, and that is the mindset required to lead through driving type this type of change. Um, you know, it can be really disconcerting if you're trying to make investment decisions, you're not really sure, you know, uh, you don't really trust yourself sometimes if that decision is going to give you the outcome because it's new, it's, it's, you're trying new things. Um, let's take a few minutes and just talk about, you know, leadership and, you know, the mindset required to lead through change because it is a factor in, in this is a great example where a big change is happening, no doubt about it, it's happening at a global level, but you can't really just work through it on laying out processes and methods. You also have to have a, a frame in your mind about how you're gonna approach it from a leadership perspective. So what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we, we it's interesting, because again, I think it's part of of, although it's specific to retail media networks and this sort of area, I think it's a broader, a broader piece and a broader approach. You know, in such an uncertain time, you have to have a growth mindset that we have here, which which involves things like iterative test and learn, increased collaboration globally. You know, we work very much in a networked way at, at Coke. You know, we restructured ourselves really quite early on in the pandemic after the pandemic came along, and thought long and hard about. How do we want to work together and what's the most effective way to do that um, and part of that was about us being happy with taking more risks being happy that we would see more more things failing but as long as you learn from it and move on then that's absolutely fine and so having that kind of more open transparent way of operating i think absolutely applies um, to this area as well as, as as the sort of broader piece so we're absolutely trying to kind of live by that. And, and uh, you know, we're very fortunate. Our CEO has been, you know, talking about that for, for many years now in terms of that's that's what he's expecting from us that, you know, if, if we're not taking risks, we're not, we're, not, we're not trying hard enough, you know, we've got to kind of expect to see some failures along the way. Um, and whether that's, you know, your innovation pipeline, whether that's technology, whether it's this kind of area, just to embrace it early, get out there and do some stuff and learn as you go. Um, you know, not everything has to be 100% perfect before you before you launch it. So, you know, we're certainly not nowhere near 100% here. Um, so we'll we'll start to move on some of the things that we've you know been talking about today, um, and hope that you know we can we can get to the right the right place with the help of others. Um, you know, staying kind of focused on that, staying with a, a sort of learning mindset. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting as a sort of smaller side, um, and you know, my role where I'm supposed to be the in-house expert. You know, I spend an awful lot of time externally focused because that's where you're going to learn, isn't it? By talking to other companies, talking to a, you know, agency partners, talking to you know conferences and that kind of stuff. That's where you pick up the latest thinking. Uh, and so we definitely are kind of open-minded and externally focused in that sense too. That helps us to understand and to learn more quickly. So we'll be applying all of that kind of approach, I think, as as we as we go forward on the retail media space. Well, that's really interesting, and I love the way you're looking at it from a. a open mindset, test and learn, you know, have that willingness to fail fast, learn fast. Uh, one of the things you and I've talked about in the past is the importance of getting really clear on what's the outcome we want. We can get really tied up into, you know, well, what we need is this deliverable. Maybe it's a, a playbook or maybe it is a, a, um, a framework of some sort. And that's the that's the that's a tick box outcome, but but really the outcomes in, in this world of change is that 
whatever we do is working and and this and to shape that up so to say actually what we want is a framework that people use that actually find helpful and to go that extra mile to understand um hey you know we're trying something new is it working being open to feedback and saying you know what you provided me some guidance and help and uh boy it it, it made a real difference in my relationship with the retailer, my effectiveness of the campaign I ran, or whatever it is, but just continue to close that loop to say, are we getting the outcomes we want and being willing to adjust that path along the way until we get to that outcome space? And so uh, what's your thoughts on on the importance of outcomes? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You, you're right. You, you and I have sort of talked about this at, at some length. I think, um, you know, you have to go in thinking I, I know what I'm trying to get to here um, and so you know we, we definitely have that sort of feedback loop sort of built into the work we, we do uh, and that's one of the reasons we try and share you know consistently across that and we have a you know a phrase rather than thinking about things that are best practices and things that haven't worked it's just it's growth practices right everything everything is a growth opportunity and so even if it didn't work the way you wanted against the outcomes you set well, what did you learn from it? And that's, you know, that's what we use to, to then to then move forward. And, you know, in, in this space, I think that there's a tremendous opportunity for test and learn experiments to, to help, you know, accelerate that. And, you know, as we've found more similarities and differences in terms of the current state of play, then, you know, it makes more, so much sense, I think, to, to use that kind of mindset um, and help us navigate through this because it's complex. As we were saying earlier, it's, it's complexity on the, on the retailer side, it's complexity in our businesses. There's lots of these things, there's over 600, you know, networks. Mm -hmm. So just navigating your way through that, um, you know, you've got to be clear on saying, okay, this is what I'm expecting. These are the standards I, I want. Um, these are the metrics I'm looking for. This is the kind of ROI I'm looking for. So the sooner we can get to those kind of things, I think um, we'll all be in a, in a better space. Um, but I think we've got to try and, you know, one of the things that this white paper I think is, is alluding to is how do we try and do that as an industry? How do we get everybody kind of onto the same page so that we don't get this fragmentation and uh, and something that's that's hard to navigate? We've got to bring reduce the complexity and bring simplicity to the to the topic if we can. Well, I agree with you. I think you know the, the one thing I read through the white paper that I found really encouraging is the promise of being able to really use uh, closed loop reporting and first party data to give that consumer a much more relevant experience is a really exciting promise and. The more we keep the industry focused on that outcome, that that's the, where we're trying to go. I think the faster we'll get there, uh, and the more consistent consistency we'll see across different areas, transparency, and all the elements that add value for all the stakeholders. So I'm excited. I, I think it's a great space. It's a great time to be in the space. Um, I still think uh, some of the shopper marketing principles are part of the solution uh, in in this space as we move from. Uh, you know, the way we've been looking at e-commerce and data and item level stuff to more of what can grow a category, uh, what are the real consumer insights. And so I hope you get to uh, leverage some of that sh great shopper marketing background into into this space of retail media networks as I'm a diehard shopper marketing guy. And maybe <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. I don't know yet, but uh, we'll find out, I suppose. No <laughs> Absolutely no, it's it, it's great. I mean, you know, I just look at that as it, it built both it, for both of us. You know, it's we, it's such a solid base to have that kind of thinking and, that, and the approach in terms of what's right for the shoppers and you know what what makes the transaction happen. And and, and like you, I feel very excited and positive about the potential here 
of what this promise, you know, offers for us. I think, as with all emerging spaces, you know, it's it seems hard to begin with, and it is hard. But you know, you get there in the end, and I think, you know, I'm I'm super excited about the opportunity to kind of work on that for Coke and and with others. You know, I'm sure in the industry as time goes on. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an exciting space to be in, and and particularly you know the broader kind of e-commerce space as well. You know, there's there's so many interesting aspects to that, and this is just one of those dimensions that's that's drive continuing to drive, I think, the emergence of the e-commerce space as well. So super exciting, and uh, yeah, can't wait to get to get cracking on it. Well, you know what? The other piece that I found quite interesting, uh, as you uh, stated that way, is most people I find uh, enjoy a big challenge. They want to be working on something big and difficult, and this definitely qualifies. Uh, and what'll be fun is to look back at the end of the career, uh, and hopefully that's a long way off for you, maybe not so much for me, but, but be able to look back and say, you know, with the team, you've got a great team, you know, that was a wild west fun experience and we did it. You know, we solved it, we really moved the needle forward. And those are the kind of stories you talk about in your career. You know, when you get to the other side, when you've gone through something, you know, new, exciting and challenging. So again, change is a great opportunity for leadership and what it does to purpose and wow, great purpose out there for an outcome that's a better experience for consumers. So hopefully you're seeing that play through with the excitement in your teams. And um, I think that's important for everybody to understand change can be a great motivator to get people excited and move forward and then have something in their, in their highlight reel of their career that they're really proud of. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I, I mean, we both got a bit of snow on the roof, Andy, so, you know, neither of us are spring chickens, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely one of the most interesting challenges I've had in my career, um, for sure. Um, but, you know, who wants, who wants a boring life where you repeat stuff over and over, right? You, you've got to take on some of these challenges to figure it out, um, because that's where the sort of satisfaction in your career comes from, I think, in solving some of these big issues. And, uh, as you say, we've got some we've got some amazing talent, you know, in, in our business that's that's really focused on that, and I'm enjoying working with them. So, yeah, it gives you it gives you a real buzz, I think, when you have one of these big uh, big areas come along through your career, and you say, right, we've got to crack this. Um, and if we do so, it'll be a real legacy piece. That's that's the way you kind of kind of look at it, I think. Well, I guess uh, folks can tell why I enjoy working with Simon. Uh, similar attitude toward life, and I think uh, it's it's a healthy attitude to take on in this kind of change. I've so enjoyed speaking with you on this. I'm glad that we've, you know, gotten uh, to this point of being able to look at the industry in a fresh new way and the challenges. And uh, again, just thank you again for all the time you've spent working on on trying to make change for the industry and, and more importantly, you know, taking Coke to a, a real space of leadership, which uh, I think is fantastic. So thanks again for the time today. Well, thank you, Andy. It's been a real pleasure to uh, spend a bit of time with you again. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends, and I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas's Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Wilton College original production. 